Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. We've talked about the case uh, before on a number of occasions of J. Angelo Corlett, or is it Corlett? It's probably Corlett, who's a professor of philosophy and ethics at San Diego State University. And he tells his own story here, so I will let him, I will quote a piece he wrote for the San Diego Union Tribune, uh, just because uh, we are staunchly in favor of his point of view in this stuff, and I would love to be able to echo his thoughts. Um, I would point out that he and I probably disagree on a lot, um, a, a lot politically speaking, uh, philosophically. He teaches philosophy, by the way. Um, and, uh, and, uh, I know, uh, in fact, he, he brings up reparations, for instance, which I consider not only a terrible idea, but almost laughable. But I'm sure he can make an intelligent case for why he thinks otherwise. And uh, this, all this stuff about, do we have the free exchange of ideas or don't we, especially in schools, is so important. I don't care if the guy believes that, uh, you know, donkeys fly and uh, or, or or anything, really. I don't even if he was first packing the Supreme Court, for instance, which I think is a horrible idea. The fact that he's fighting for freedom of expression is reason enough to to join join with him anyway. He writes, I've been employed for 25 years at San Diego State University, where I am a tenured professor of philosophy. It's been my privilege and my passion to teach students of all racial, ethnic, religious, and economic backgrounds. Although I am no provocateur, I have always intended for my lessons and class discussions to be intellectually provocative. Until recently, I believed that this is what my colleagues, the university administration, and most importantly, my students, wanted. I take seriously the San Diego State Senate policy that states, and I quote, Freedom of expression defends the expression we abhor as well as the expression we support. It's the very definition of free expression. 
However, that belief has been shaken in recent weeks. <clears throat> well, I'm departing from his text, obviously, here. It should be shaken because they don't defend any expression they disagree with in the slightest. In fact, they want it shouted down in silence. Here's the story. On the evening of March 1, a San Diego State dean, who's one of the real villains in this story, and this story, you know, I meant to say this in advance. This story is about the viciousness, rigidity, and borderline psychotic behavior of the woke little students and the utter cowardice of the administration in the for, in the face of those uh, young red would be red guard members at the moment they could risk it all to do the right thing they have chosen to do the opposite they are either cowards or they are ideological brethren of the little maoists Or both, I suppose, maybe half and half. Anyway, on the evening of March 1, a San Diego State dean summarily removed me from two courses I have taught for years, philosophy, racism, and justice, and critical thinking and composition. The reasons she gave me for the removal were, quote, numerous student complaints, close quote, and her unfounded belief that I am, quote, no longer effective in the course, end quote. Both of those, one, the first being an expression of the little Maoists, the numerous complaints, and the belief I'm no longer effective in the course, that is the cowardly, cowardly rationale of somebody who's afraid of the students. Soon thereafter, I learned that the, quote, complaints concerned my lesson earlier that day of the use-mention distinction in philosophy. It's a foundational concept in determining what language counts as racism. It distinguishes between racist language use. You're using a racial slur with racist intent. And then racial language, they're mere mentioning of a racial slur without racist intent, for instance, in a college class to discuss it. It used to be that distinction didn't even need to be made because it's so obvious. Did I call Michael, uh, Michael, uh, our technical director, an idiot? Or was I talking to him about, you know, Michael, some people are idiots. Or some people use the term idiot, and it, it hurts other people's feelings. Now, if I were to say to Michael, for instance, you know, the boss called somebody an idiot, and uh, I think that term's kind of hurtful in the workplace. For Michael to run around screaming, he said idiot, he said idiot, and I heard it would make him a crazy person. Yes, it would. Yes. It's not the use of a racial slur. It's a discussion of it. And the professor says, during the lecture and class discussion, I mentioned the N-word as an example. Now, the idea, the very idea that we we can no longer even discuss discussing a racial term without people ignoring the use of um, uh, use mention distinction is scary, folks. I mean, we're into pre-enlightenment, you uttered a magic incantation stuff. Acting like a word has devastating magical powers, like a spell in Harry Potter that must not be said. This is the stuff of the Middle Ages, okay? And college kids believe it. Yipes! Because I think a lot of them are so deluded by their professors, the kids actually do believe it. The professors are either 
uh, theoretical lunatics or they understand the power they can wield if they get the kids on their side and turn them into the little cultists they dream of. But anyway, so this professor professor was discussing about the very concept of use versus mention. Within days, online rumors abounded that I said the word more than 60 times during class, which of course is absurd. Individuals who knew nothing about me or the courses started a change.org petition to have me fired. Clearly, they didn't bother to research my work, my commitment to well-being of black people, or my writings in favor of reparations and racial justice. Again, I would probably disagree with him on that stuff, but he gets to discuss it. I'm not threatened by somebody who thinks reparations are a good idea. I would gladly join them in the forum of opinions and say, with all due respect, Professor, I think you're making a mistake for these reasons. It's because I'm not a crazy person. So I think it is worth, uh, as you're charting this out, maybe drawing yourself a little picture of the way this works, it was the mob, the online mob, that knew nothing about the professor or the courses that supplied the weight, the heat, that turned the college administrators into crumbling, cringing cowards. Probably worth mentioning briefly now that my mom, my uh, dearly departed mom, was a college administrator at uh, times in her life, and she would not have bowed to this stuff for a single effing second, by the way. Some people actually have principles. Anyway. The language was clearly relevant, the professor writes, to the subject matter of the lesson. At no time has the dean, the complaining students, or anyone else disputed that. I have been teaching this material essentially the same way for over two decades while receiving stellar student and department reviews. Despite the dean's contention that my teaching is not effective, you coward, I have received 11 teaching awards from the college in the past 12 years, several specifically recognizing my mentorship of students of color. Teaching the same material. Quote, I have given much of my life to the university, yet San Diego State did not provide me with any prior notice of these so-called complaints, did not inform me of their substance, and did not give me any opportunity to defend myself or respond to them before removing me from my courses. Can you believe that? The process is, hey, a bunch of students are uh, complaining, you're out, man, you're out. That's it. He doesn't even get to say, whoa, 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 none of that happened. Or, yeah, I said it the same way I have for 20 years. And people pretended to freak. None of that is even allowed. So when Jack and I talk about the extremism on college campuses and how terrified everybody is of these little Maoists, friends, that example speaks for itself. It's insane. He says, this was a clear violation of my due process rights to say nothing of common decency. As a professor at a taxpayer-supported public university, I enjoy the First Amendment right to freedom of speech, the same right that we all enjoy as private citizens. And in the classroom, this affords me the academic freedom to teach, teach my students as I see fit, providing the material is germane to the subject matter of the course. I do not lose that freedom simply because one or more students or administrative functionaries might find my language disagreeable or even offensive. 
As university faculty teaching adult students, we have the responsibility to our students to challenge them intellectually, even if that means they may feel uncomfortable. If we abandon that responsibility, students will be shortchanged. Lessons won't be taught. Vital and vibrant classroom discussions will never take place. Uh, I would argue, Professor, that it's much, much more significant than that. You're right. I mean, you're absolutely right as far as you went, but it will fundamentally restructure the way our society functions. And the relationship between the educator and the student, uh, the universities and the communities, I mean, it just, it will, it will usher in dark ages in American uh, intellectual, uh, you know, pursuits. Uh, let's see. Finally, thankfully, he says, uh, he says, I've received an outpouring of strong support from the public, students, and scholars at the finest universities worldwide who understand what is at stake when a professor is disciplined for merely doing his job. This case is not just about me, clearly. It's about free speech, due process, academic freedom, and what prevails in a college classroom, intellectual exploration, or coerced silence. Uh, I would, I would strongly suggest right now to college administrators who might be listening or might hear the second hand or grab the podcast or something like that. Um, There are much, much worse things than losing your gig. I realize comfort and money is significant. Uh, and, and, And for me to cavalierly tell you to give them up would be, you know, It'd be the sort of blowhard stuff that people uh, don't like about talk radio. I I understand our relative positions in terms of your livelihood, okay? I would suggest to you that showing your spouse, your children, your community, your colleagues, that you have principles and you believe in them and you will stick to them even if it causes what is probably going to be a temporary financial uh, inconvenience or a little pain, is, as the story of your life is written, a thousand times more important than next month's paycheck. A thousand times. Which side are you on in this battle? Why don't you decide by the end of the day today? Remind yourself of your principles and stick with them. 